really all about what we should be all about. If you've been with us, and if you're here for the first time, we're glad you're here. Uh, we're in a series in the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians can be titled in so many different ways if you want to get a handle on this book. It's all about being the church. It's being what God has called you to be, not only individually, but collectively. You could also talk about it being what God has done for us, the riches we have in Christ. And he spends half the book to talk about who you are in Christ. And then he spends the rest of the, the, chapter, uh, the book, or the letter, the epistle, telling us what we ought to do because of what we have in Christ. So it's riches and then responsibilities. Uh, we're in a section right now in this particular letter, about halfway through the fourth chapter, in which, in many ways, you could ask yourself the question, why, why do I come to church? You could make it even personally for this morning. Why am I here this particular day? And as I was thinking about that, I, I, I'm not a big David Letterman fan, but, you know, he does have a top ten. So I just scribble out a top, a, a top ten list for why you might be here uh, this, this morning. Uh, number ten, it, it's all about guilt. The reason you're here, if it, doesn't, it makes you feel guilty if you're not. And so you decide I'll kind of deal with my conscience by spending an hour or so here. And um, that's why I'm here at church. Number nine, it, it's, about, it's about my family. My family makes me come. Number eight, it's all about brownie points, brownie points in heaven. If you come to church, God will be pleased and you'll have a better time in heaven because you were at church here on earth. Number seven, um, this is kind of a family issue. It's, it's good uh, for my kids. The reason I hear it's, you know, my kids need a little moral training. They probably need to be exposed a little bit about God. And so, you know, church is a, a place for them to hear about God. So it's all about for my kids. It's good for my kids. Now, there's the other side of it. Uh, the kids might be thinking, it's good enough for my parents. My parents need to be here. They need to get it, their act together. Uh, number four, it's simply a tradition. Um, that's a habit, so I'm here because I've always been here, and so I just keep coming. Uh, number four, it makes me look spiritual. You know, people think I'm a spiritual person because uh, I, I go to church. And number three, this is for Patsy, it's all about the free coffee and the rolls in the fellowship hall. Where can you get a deal like that? It's like a free breakfast if you come hungry. And so uh, I make sure I get here at least for that part of it, the fellowship time. Uh, number two, it's a good place to sleep. Anybody uh, come that way? It's comfortable chairs and maybe, you know, I can just kind of lay back and, and rest. And then number one reason for you to be in church today, at least for possibly some of you, it's my job. I get paid to show up. All right. It reminds me of the story of uh, the mother in a house, and she was trying to get the family up for church, and uh, she was really struggling with one member of the family, and just uh, could not get him out of bed, and said, you got to, we got to go to church today. He said, I don't want to go to church. And I said, why don't you want to go to church? Because when I go to church, man, uh, all I do is see these people, and, and they don't like me, and they're always talking about me behind my back, and and they seem to ignore me when I want to talk to them. And it just, it's just, a, I just don't want to go there. And he went on and on and on giving all this reason. And finally, she just broke down and said, you got to go. You're the pastor. All right. <laughs> so, it, so as you think about going to church, there's a variety of reasons why people show up in a place like this on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night or whatever time the service is uh, to be in a place called the church. Uh, now, if you're a little bit more you know, spiritually oriented, you, you might say, well, I, I come to church because I come to worship God. And, and really, as you think about the church, the church is not simply that which shows up on a Sunday morning. It's the church gathered collectively. It's, 
we also had the church scattered throughout the rest of the week. But when we come to a place like this, we, we have music and we have opportunity for prayer and we have opportunity at, at times to break bread in terms of the, remembering the Lord on the, the Lord's table, a communion table. And it's an opportunity to worship the living God, to sing praises to him, to proclaim how great and awesome he is. But some of us stop right there when we think about the spiritual reason for being here. You know, I'm here to worship God. I'm here to praise God. I'm here to honor God. There's much more to being in church than simply worshiping God. If you want to put that as the, as the highest reason, you know, I, I won't argue with that. But that's not all it is. It's not simply coming to publicly praise and worship and honor him. And this passage speaks to it. And really, it really hits in that second part of what this this letter is all about. We have the riches in Christ, but we also have the corresponding, what's the other word? Responsibility. If we are rich in Christ, then there's a corresponding responsibility to to be in, a, in an overwhelming, grateful way to serve the King of Kings and, and Lord of Lords and be what he wants us to be all about. So that, with that as an introduction, let's look at the passage. Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, turn to it. Um, the first part of it is uh, going to be kind of brought together with little sub-points, and, and then we're going to hit the last section as we close uh, looking at what it means um, to be at church. And I've entitled the message this way, uh, Getting Prepared. As we think about coming together collectively or in small groups throughout the week. It's simply not just to meet with our friends. It's simply not just to learn more, a few more facts about uh, what's in the Bible. It's simply not bow our heads and maybe pray a few prayers here and there. It's, it's really to be prepared. And the issue is prepared for what? And we're going to see that this morning. And uh, if you want to get the main idea right in the beginning and then kind of doze off uh, during the middle part, here's what I'm going to tell you this morning. Why are, why are we here today? Uh, from this passage, you're going to say, we're here to be equipped. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about what that means, to be equipped. Secondly, we're, we're here to be ready to serve. We have an action step as a result of being the church. Uh, we're here, uh, thirdly, uh, to build others up. Sometimes when we think about a question of why are you here, we think about ourselves. We become reflective. We look inward. Well, really, the, the Christian Adventure is not simply looking inward, but to look what? Outward. You're not hopefully here just for yourself. You're here for others. You know, if, if uh, you know, John and Pam had not shown up here, Brandon couldn't have given them, you know, a bad time by not having their picture taken. Now, now are you going to sign up for your picture being taken? Okay, well, anyway, you know, why are you here to give other people bad time? No, why, we're here to... to uh, as the Bible says, to stimulate one another to love and good deeds and make sure they take their picture. You know, why are we here? We're, we're here not only for ourselves, but to, to impact other people's lives. And then fourthly, we're, we're here to grow up. You know, it's so exciting to, to see Hannah Grace. Did, did I tell you I, I'm a grandparent? Yeah, yeah, okay. It, it, you know, and see this cute little, you know, little baby. And, and uh, she just looks like me, right? No, okay. It, but how sad would it be I mean, as cute as she is now, if she remained just like she is. We want her to mature. We want her to grow up. And not only physically, but we want her to come early to faith in Jesus Christ. We want her to be one who is fully devoted to, to serve and honor her God. 
And as we think about life, we're here not to to remain the same. And wherever we are in our adventure with God, maybe we're still on the outside looking in and, and we're just checking this Christianity thing out. Well, there's a first step, and we're glad that you're here. This is a place to find out more about what it means to be a Christ follower. But whether you've been a Christian for a week, a year, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, many decades, God's not finished with you here, and he wants you to continually to grow up. And that's what the church is all about, to be equipped, to be ready to serve, to build others up, and to grow up. So let's see what the text says here in Ephesians chapter 4. And I'll try to grab there as well. Ephesians chapter 4, we uh, kind of caught the last couple of verses, that, or the first couple of verses last week, but we'll hit them again. And he himself, this is Jesus, gave to the church some to be as apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And that primarily is the role that God has left in the church today, pastor, teachers, and those who are leader, leaders in the church. And then it says, for a purpose... Uh, verse 12, it's the, it's in the, if you are a Greek student, it's the henna clause. It's, it's, this, is, this is the point here. Why are these people leading the church? For the equipping of the saints. If you have a King James Bible, it's an interesting word there. They have, it says, for the perfecting of the saints. In, in many ways, uh, that is a, is a great translation of that word as well. Because the, the church is here to make an impact on our lives. And this is pastor included. We ought to be different people because we spend time together. We ought to be different people because we gather in, in many ways, not only on Sundays, but throughout the week. That, that God is in, the, is in the business of changing us. In Philippians 1, 6, uh, Paul says, For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until you see Jesus. And so we never arrive at this point. And so God is constantly perfecting us. He's, he's constantly equipping us. This word equip can be used in a variety of different ways. It's, it was used sometimes for, in, the, in the business of those who, who fished for fish. God's called us to be fishers of men to make impacts on people's lives. But those who fished, they would throw out nets. Most of them wouldn't throw out a single line to, for a business. They would s- spread the nets. And if you spread the nets, eventually those nets break down, don't they? And they have to be mended. They have to be equipped to go back into the waters. And as we think about that analogy, we need to understand that as we come here uh, and as we gather throughout the week, we, we need to recognize that we need mending. Would you agree with that? That by definition, is a Christian is a person who came to a point in his life where he recognized that he was broken or she was broken. That there was something that had to be fixed. There was something that had to be equipped. In a medical way, some of your nurses and, and are in that field. It was also used to set a bone that was broken or fractured. And so we gather together because we recognize, again, we need to hear a, a fresh voice from God or to be reminded of a previous truth we already knew but we aren't fully applying and, and recognize that God wants to equip me, to mend me, to perfect me. It, it's interesting, and, and I, I want to put this in context too, because when we look at the riches that are found in Christ, and, and in many ways, God has already made the biggest change he's ever going to make in your life. He has brought each one of us who have faith in Christ out of darkness into light, out of death into life. And so you have light and you have life. You were enslaved and now you've been set. And those are all done. 
you who once were filled with sin have now been what? Forgiven. You know, all of your sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. You who once were on the judgment hand of God, who were condemned for a crisis of eternity, you now have no what in Christ? No condemnation. The biggest changes have already been made. And so as you think about perfection, uh, perfection is used in a variety of different ways in Scripture. There, there is what you would call positional perfection, which simply means in Christ you are rich. In Christ you are blessed. You don't have to ask for more blessings. You've got more than you're using already. You are totally blessed. That's your position in Christ. But what we struggle with is practical perfection. You know, God has made me completely a new person on the inside, but I often don't live like that. Well, that's what the church is all about. That's why we live out together, where, as Paul said in Philippians 3, I think, verse 12, he says, I want you to understand, I haven't quite arrived yet. I'm not quite at perfection, but I reach forward to that which lies ahead. And so there's a, there's a sense in which we are positionally perfect, perfect, but we're not practically perfect. And then we look forward to that time we'll be permanently perfect when we see Jesus face to face. And then that which causes us not to live out what we are on the inside, our, our habits of the old life, what the Bible calls the flesh, the world that tries to press us into its mold, uh, the evil one who tries to trip us up all the time, those things are going to be gone. But as we think about the church, the church has an active part in us living out who we are to equip us. Now, what I want to do quickly this morning is, well, how is that done? How do we practically become who God wants us to be and has made us to be? How do we live out our faith and not just make it lip service? How do we continually to grow and to change? And, and, we're, and we constantly need to do that. Would we all say we haven't arrived yet? Okay, so how does that happen? Well, first of all, we need to understand it's a God thing. And I'm going to be saying some things here that are pretty, pretty straightforward, but we forget it often, right? It, it's, it can't be a man thing. It can't, if that were true, we would all have already, uh, you know, whatever New Year's resolutions we've ever made, whatever good intentions we've had, we, we would have lived them out already, right? If we could just do it on our own. And, and so we need to understand the Christian life is a, is a God thing, not a man thing. Or to put it this way, it's got to be performed, it's got to be produced in us by the Spirit of God. So it's by the Spirit. How are we equipped by the Spirit? In Galatians 3, verses 2 and 3 says this. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the, what? Flesh. We, moment by moment, need to surrender our lives to the Spirit of God. And so often we miss the the adventure of the Christian life because we're trying to live it on our own. And relying upon our own strengths or past habits or, or whatever it might be, some, some, some victories in the past. And we've got to yield ourselves to the Spirit of God who's living within us and say, God, I want your fullness and I want you to control me. I want you to, to govern what I do. And I like the analogy of spiritual breathing. You know, breathing, you exhale the, the carbon dioxide and inhale the oxygen. And we constantly need to be Connecting with the Spirit of God because we sin and then we got to surrender. We sin and then we got to surrender. Does that make sense? So we are called to be equipped. And that's what the church is all about. That's, that's, that's my major role to push us all toward perfection. 
And we'll never make it this side of eternity. But for us to understand what that simply means, we need to actively, intentionally, consciously surrender ourselves to the Spirit. We didn't get into this thing by the, the wisdom and the power of our own human flesh, and it won't be lived out that way as well. When we try to live the Christian life on our own strengths, we are just fools, denying what God has plainly said. And, the, and living by the Spirit is simply yielding to Him, asking Him to control. Secondly, <laughs> this is the one we wish we could skip, by suffering. 1 Peter 5, uh, 5, 10, and 11 says this, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, or after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And we could go to other passages as well, which says that what God does to chip away the things that are wrong in our lives is to allow us to suffer. And that is... That is that suffering can come in so many different forms. You know, we, we've, we've spent many weeks you know, kind of reviewing the, the, the quality or pursuit of humility. Uh, do you know how, you, how anyone becomes more humble? You, you get humility by being humiliated. Is being humiliated a pleasant experience? You know, do you, do you like people pointing out your faults? Do you like people seeing you mess up? Or whatever it might be. And those things just drive you to recognize that you haven't arrived. And that when you're suffering areas, you begin to understand, am I really depending upon God? Or am I more like Job's wife? Well, you know, if God's going to do this to you, just curse God and die. And Job had to say, you know, I've accepted the goodness from God. Am I willing to trust him during adversity? You know, James chapter 1, you know, count it all joy when you count various trials for the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know, anyone who's ever worked out, the only way your muscles grow stronger is by breaking them down. And then they heal back. And you break them down and they heal back. You know, you have to be careful what this phrase means, but no pain, no what? No gain. And... There is, there is the pain that causes injury, but I, I don't care how you want to throw away that term. You're not going to get better unless you push yourself or someone else pushes yourself, which means you're, there's going to be some experience suffering physically if you're going to get stronger. And people who have to come back from an injury and take in rehab, that's even worse for just even being conditioning because they, they have to push that muscle almost to the, to the pain level where they can't stand it for it to come back. And the only reason I'm, I'm delivering on, on this is that as we encounter suffering, we need to realize part of that is the will of God for us to go through that so we might trust and depend on him more. So this is, this is where we need to hear that kind of message, that God wants us to be people who have been broken that become mended. Our bones that are out of joint become straightened. And part of that is relying upon the Spirit, but part of that is understanding the purpose of suffering. Thirdly, we are equipped by prayer. Again, these are, these are no-brainers, but these are things that we all get tripped up on. Epaphras, who was one of you, a bondservant of Christ, as Paul writing to the church at Colossae, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. And why did he pray for them? 
Why did he pray for them? That you may stand what? Perfect and complete in all the will of God. Now, we, we need to, to be praying for people who are going through uh, difficult times. Uh, and we, we normally gravitate immediately toward those who are struggling physically. My, my dad went in the hospital on Friday, Friday night. Uh, I got up early this morning, saw him, you know, today. And, and uh, you, know, you know, I'm concerned about him physically right now. But our prayers can't simply be for that which is physical. We need to be laboring for people in prayer, uh, asking God to really do something significant in their lives spiritually. That they might come to that place where they're not immature, but they might become mature. That we are all imperfect, and so we recognize that. None of us like to use that perfect word to describe ourselves. But we might know that our, our lives walking with God might manifest more perfection, more like Jesus. And this theme of, of becoming more perfect in Christ in terms of practically is, is one Jesus gave in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, I, I want you to be perfect as your heavenly father is what is perfect. And that's not going to happen naturally. And so as we come to church, we come to church not only to receive prayer, but to be exhorted to what? Pray for others. You know, it didn't say that Epaphras labored praying for himself, but he prayed for the, the people at the church at Colossae. So it was outside his immediate family, is outside probably even his closest circle of friends. So I'm sure that was the emphasis because he would know more about them, but he prayed for the church. He prayed for people that they might be complete in Christ. They were complete in Christ positionally, but practically he wants them to live it out. So why do we come to church? To be equipped. Be equipped to be what God wants us to be. That's going to happen by understanding it's by the Spirit of God. We need to understand it happens by the experience of suffering. It happens by prayer. And third, fourthly, by the Word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be, what's the next word there? Complete. Actually, the word equipped, I said it could mean perfect. It could mean, uh, you know, setting a bone, mending a net. It also could be translated to be made complete. And that's the purpose of the word of God. The word of God is to point us in the directions that God wants us to go in. He, he wants us to be reminded of his sufficiency for our lives. He wants us to know his will. And so all this is what makes us complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I, I, I just want to confess here. Um, the, you know, of these four, the, the one I usually feel most, uh, I don't know if inadequate is the right word, but the, the most challenged uh, in, in, in evaluating the intense time or the faithfulness in time of, of being part of that process, not only in my life, but for other people's lives, would be prayer. You know, I, I, I always know, no matter how much I'm praying, I'm not praying as much as I really believe God wants for me. And, not, and we don't compare ourselves with others. I'm not saying how much he wants you to pray, but I know how much he wants me to pray, and I fall short there. Now, I, I will admit to you, on the part of the word of God, I don't fall short here. I, I could spend 24 hours, I mean, 
This book just fascinates me. And, and sometimes people will say, well, I, I heard this the other day, that, that some, some churches see the, the Word of God as the third person of the Trinity. It's Father, Son, and the Word of God. And they almost leave the Spirit out of it. I threw this verse in because I want you to know how much the Word of God is elevated in Scripture. Psalm 138, verse 2. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your what? Name. Now, I read a variety of people's opinions on that verse, but no matter how you look at it, God sees His word as crucially important. He said, I magnify it above even my name. I have no clue as to what that means. Other than this, we cannot honor this book enough. And so as we think of, of coming to church, wherever that church is that we regularly go to, it's because we want to learn the Word of God. And, and when we come in life groups or when we have daily time in God's Word, we want to take this book that God magnifies above his name and see that that's got to govern how we live. Otherwise, we're going to live broken lives, lives that need to be mended, to be set in line. We will not be complete and will not be what God wants us to be. So why do we come to church? We come to church because we need to be perfected. We need to be equipped. We need to be mended. We need to be reminded again of the simplest truths that we need to be controlled by a spirit. We need to face suffering. We live in a broken world and and respond to it in a godly way. We need to be people who recognize that we have the ability, opportunity, and privilege to talk with God about the needs and concerns of others. And we, we need to love this truth. And to understand and to see how it applies to our lives. Why do, why do we come to church? Because we need to. We need to be mended and perfected. But he doesn't stop here. Because really this equipping while we're here on earth is, is left for then a purpose for us to, to go to an action step. Because he says for the equipping... Uh, um, of the saints for the work of ministry. And so as we come to, to, to church, we are, we are here to be ready to serve. First Peter 4.10, As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So, so when, we, when we're involved in church, we're thinking, not what so much are what are people doing for me, but what are, am I doing for what? Others. If we're all serving and we're all thinking outward, you know, that's going to come back and we're going to get some of that. But as we think about it, God has called each one of us to be a servant. And again, this is all in context. To understand we come and we are part of the church to become more like Jesus. And Jesus came not to be served, but to to serve and give his life a ransom for many. John Piper, he doesn't even like to emphasize service in the traditional ways because he says you know the reason that we are loved is because god first loved us the reason we serve because christ first what served us and so it's just it's just being a part of what what god has already done for us and it's it's just acknowledging this is where our source of true joy is 
you know, we had a number of people involved in the free giveaway yesterday, and I'm, I'm always, uh, somebody did so many different things, and we're excited about it, and, uh, and, and, some, and many of uh, you brought things, and, and pr- people participated at all kinds of levels, but I'm always amazed at Nancy Sedale, because that's a lot of work doing all that stuff. And she'll come back and she says, I just love this so much. And I'm thinking, you are a crazy woman. Okay. Um, but I mean, why does she love it? Because she's serving others. Now, that's, that's where her heart is. And we, we don't all do the same things that everybody else does. We can help them and be a support base for that. But the thing is, she, she loves doing it. And so, you know, just like some people say, you know, find a job you really love. You'll never work a day in your life. You know, find a place of service that you really love, and you'll never feel like you're even serving. But sometimes it takes that first step. And, and sometimes we serve in areas that, that maybe aren't our gift place or even our source of joy, but we do it simply because it needs to be done. And then we get the, the, the spill-out joy. You know, that's, I don't pretty like that activity, but I like doing it with the people I did it with. Or I like, I like doing it for the person I'm doing it for, which is God. So, so why, why do we come to church? We come to church to be equipped. We come to church to be ready to serve. And it's not a comparison game, but it's saying, God, how can I be a servant? Because that's what the church is about. He gave gifted men to, to equip the body of Christ to do the work of ministry. But, but then he goes on. He says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, the word edify comes from, a, you know, work we, we, we sometimes call buildings, edifices. It really means to, to build up. So, again, we need to think of the, of the church being a place, again, where we're not even so mindful about, again, what am I getting out of it, but what am I giving out because of what I have in it? So it's taking truth and then sharing that truth with others. It's, it's taking a life that God has imparted in your life and sharing that life with others. It's, it's seeing you as part of the body of Christ where you're making an impact on other people's lives. You know, we, we have, you know, in our, in our time and age, so many opportunities to grow in so many different ways, and we've got so much to give. But we've got to, again, recognize it's, it's, it's an outward focus. Well, we're ministering to people in the body of Christ. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of others together. And simply saying, you know, some of you are kind of not, not, not making that commitment to be, to be faithful in relationship to the body of Christ. You're, it's, it's not the highest thing on your priority list. Something can bump it off real quick as far as not being with God's people. As he said, as the, as the matter of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Does anybody here know when Jesus is coming again? I mean, to flop back here on earth. Anybody know the exact day? If you do, you can write a book and maybe, you know, it, it, there, there's, we don't know when that day is. But I can tell you right now, it's, it's in comparison to yesterday, it's a day closer than it was yesterday. So we only have so much time. And so we want to be people who recognize that as we gather at church, it's, it's an active thing, that, that we're here to, to love and encourage and exhort and pray for and stimulate others. You know, when, 
if you're in a small group, you'll, you'll recognize that. Uh, and, and there are reasons, you know, people, I, I do find that people sometimes do get sick. You know, there, there are reasons or they're out of town. I mean, there's some times that, that people have reasons where they can't. They, they even, John, do they even break legs? John? Is John still back there? Okay, do people even break legs? Nod your head like you're still listening to me. Okay, is that, is, you know, there are reasons why people can't come to small group, though she came in a wheelchair to our group on Tuesday, uh, Maria Brock. But when people miss a small group, you know, there's, they're, they're, it can't, that person can't be replaced that day. You know, there's something, you know, their laughter, their, their insight, you know, their prayers, their perspective. And there's, there's, as we think about the body of Christ, we can do similar things, but we're not interchangeable parts. You are a unique part of the body of Christ. And so the impact you can have on somebody else's life is missed when you're not there. And I think we've all experienced that in so many different levels. You know, some people are just fun to be around. Have you noticed that? I mean, it, I mean, when they're, they're not there, it's, something's missing. Now, that's true not, even, not only just for the people who are fun-loving, but the other parts of who people are. And, and so Paul's pleading that I want you to understand that this is all to work to the edifying of the body of Christ, where each part is seen, I'm here to build others up. Not just to be built up, but to build others up. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then he goes on the next four or five verses, which could be a series, but we're not going to make it a series. He said, but you all need to understand that we're here to grow up. Why do we come to church? To be equipped, to be ready to serve, to build others up, and then to grow up. So he, he gives this challenge to that church and all churches uh, that this is, this, is a, this is a purpose that will never be completed because we have so much to get done in, in our lives. He says, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Keep hearing that word perfect or complete or mature. And so he's saying, this, this is to happen in the church because we all have a long ways to go. No matter how far we have gone from where we used to be, we still have a, a lot farther to go to be more like Christ. And so he said, till we all come to the unity of faith. And understand, this is, we're in this together to be all that God wants us to be. In case we didn't get perfect, man, what that meant, he says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I'm amazed how Paul writes sometimes. He goes, you didn't get it when I said it this way. Let me just say it another way. I want you to, to live life in the fullness of who Jesus is. And, and we all do that a lot better in some ways than other people do it in other ways. And that's how the body of Christ works. I'll look at someone. Man, they're a lot more kinder and gentler than I am. You know, they're a lot more prayerful than I am. They're, they're a lot more... You know, have a servant's heart or they whatever it might be. And, and again, not playing the comparison game in terms of a to do list, but just seeing the nature of who they are, where the fullness of Christ is demonstrated in in the whole body of Christ. And that's who Jesus is, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. That's just that's just a lot of words to say this. Not only is it to become more like Christ, but be, remain faithful to Christ. If you've, if you've ever had much experience of talking with people who, who 
have joined what we would call Christian cults, you know, Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, Jehovah Witness Kingdom Halls, and, and you could talk about a lot of other aberrant uh, Christian groups or other world religions uh, even at times. And you ask them to tell their story, many of them in America. Obviously, that would not necessarily be true in other parts of the world. But in America, most of them who join the Mormon faith or the Jehovah Witness faith were people who used to go to churches like this. You know, the churches that, you know, taught about Jesus, taught the Bible, but somehow they didn't get it because they had not, they had not grown up. They maybe looked at the flannel graph, but that, they left it on the flannel graph. And, it, and it, didn't, it didn't become who they were in the inside, and they didn't really understand the truth in a, in a, in a deep way, and when I mean a deep way, in a convictional way. And so when somebody brought something else along, they said, well, that, that sounds good. You're very family-oriented, so I'll go down that path. Well, are you listening to what they're teaching you? You, you believe every male is going to have their... You become a, a god and have his own planet, and you know, well, I didn't hear that. I mean, but they'll leave because they're not grounded in the truth. And so, growing up is not only physically, even as a person is, but it's mentally. And that's true of us as well. We need to grow in the Word of God so we understand truth in contrast to that which is false. Verse fifteen. But speaking the truth in love may grow up all things into Him who is the head, Christ. In your life groups this week, we're going to challenge you to be looking at, in your own relationships with each other, do you have people in your life who push you spiritually? And do you have people in your life that you try to push their life spiritually? And uh, do you get offended when people push you spiritually? Now, obviously, a person could be not very kind and gentle when they do that, but are, are you open for people to speak the truth in love in your life? Most of us say, I, I don't mind people speaking to me in love, but the truth? If I want to hear the truth, that's fine. But what if I don't want to hear the truth? Then for some, no matter how loving it is, they don't want to hear it because it's not a truth they want to hear. And so the body of Christ is a, is a commitment not only to be equipped, to be ready to serve and to build others up, but to grow up, which sometimes hear things we don't want to hear. And then he again just talks about the majesty of who who God is and how he's part of all this. From verse 16, for whom the whole family, the whole body join and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. And that's a challenge right there. Every part working. You know, all it takes is something small not working on, a, on a, in an engine and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't turn over. You know, something on even as, 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 as simple as a bike. You know, you, you break something up there and the brakes don't work. And, you know, I won't tell stories about that. But anyway, it, it doesn't take much for something not to work. And that's true in the church. Every part needs to do its share. Causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, the whole part of this, understanding, you know, why we are to be committed to, to God's institution, which is the church, the body of Christ. It's not only come to worship him, to praise him, to honor him, but to understand we are called to, to be changed in an ongoing way while we still populate this earth, to be equipped, to be made more like Christ through the prayer and through the spirit and, and through suffering and through the word of God. We are here to be ready to serve. We're, we're, we're anxious to do that. We are here to build others up and be involved in people's lives, and we are here to grow up.
That, that's the church. God wants his people to be prepared. Let's pray. Father, help us to, to remind ourselves why we are here. Our part in being uh, that which every joint supplies to make your, your body work in a way that people see Jesus in us, not only individually, but collectively. And Father, as we just wrestle with these truths this morning, might, might we, uh, we see where that touches down in, in our priorities and in, in our commitments. And again, Father, if there be someone here that, that just doesn't know Christ in a personal way, we're glad they're here. Might they understand that simply the Christian life is surrendering a life to the, the Lord and Savior who came, Jesus, for us. Father, as we continue to worship through giving and through song this morning, might you just submit what you want to say to us in our lives today. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.